Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord. My name is Joe, and you're listening to Scripture Unleashed. I'm here this morning with Seth Springer, hey. Jacob Gilbert, Hello. and Anthony Lamb. Scripture Unleashed is a podcast where we go through the bread program, Bible reading chart, and this week you will be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 11 through 13, Joshua chapter 1 through 18, Proverbs 8 through 9, and Psalms 42 through 43. Please remember, though, if you're listening to us and your pastor uh, preaches something different as far as conviction than what you hear uh, from us that's not direct Bible, then listen to your pastor. We are going to get right into our content. First topic, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, talking about the simplicity of Christ. Jacob, what do you got to say about that? In that verse right there, it reads, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It really kind of sparked my mind that, you know, the gospel isn't something that's really super hard to grasp. And I think oftentimes that right. we, you know, especially adults, you know, this is why we have to have the faith of a child. Us as adults, we often um, overcomplicate what it means to be saved by grace through faith. Sure. Like the gospel is that Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose again, and ascended up into heaven. He took our sin with him. That's That's the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, he buried our sin, nailed it to that cross, however you want to look at it. And through him, we're freed from sin. Sure. You know, even a child can understand it. It's not It's not something that, that even, you know, even the simple can understand it. Now, I do know that sometimes, you know, I have been in Bible studies with people where talking about the gospel, and it's, sim- it's simplistic. And our response to the gospel is also simplistic. And I've had people say, oh, that's too confusing to me. Mm. When it's actually, it's not that you're confused. It's that you don't want to understand it. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. Moving along in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Anthony, verse 13 in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, Paul makes the uh, very important, he kind of brings up the important topic of being deceived uh, by Satan and his his ministers, I guess. Verse 13 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean they're doing good all of a sudden? No, it just means that they're trying to appear good so they can destroy mm-hmm. you, so they can take you away from God, so they can distract you from serving the Lord. Verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Don't be surprised how the enemy comes. Satan always comes as a deceiver. He came as a deceiver Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Just look at the Garden of Eden. Yeah, right. It's nothing new. It's... Satan and his ministers' tactics from the very beginning to appear like they're your friend, to appear innocent, to appear like uh, maybe you can relate to them, uh, a minister of light, just here to help. But it's interesting to note that God's ministers will never appear 
as a participant of evil. In fact, the yeah. word tells us, don't let your good be evil spoken of. So it's, it's very important that we not only know the words, I feel like that is our greatest defense, is yeah. actually knowing the truth. I'm not saying that we need to, you know, look at people with, with, a squ- with squinty eyes every time we come in contact with them. Is this a minister yeah. of darkness? But we, we should definitely be aware. We should definitely yeah. be uh, observant. First Peter 5, 8 says, uh, Satan comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Of course, Ephesians 2, 2 says he's the prince and the power of the air. He's the ruler of darkness, Colossians 1, 13. Time and time again, we see instances where Obviously, we need to watch out for Satan. We need to watch out and be vigilant, as the Bible instructs us to. And, you know, one of the ways that we can, you mentioned in the Garden of Eden, Anthony, was one of the ways we can test, uh, you know, a false or an apostle, Mm -hmm. let's say, or a false minister is, you know, when it comes to the Bible, are they discrediting it? Are they saying, well, you know, it doesn't really say that or... Well, it doesn't really take that. Um, you know, that's one of the ways that we can tell, because that's what the devil did. Right. You know, did yeah. God really yeah. say? And then another thing, too, is, you know, in our age, in our time that we're in, there's these people that have, all, have uh, you know, this uh, YouTube religion <laughs> that, you know, their pastors on YouTube or whatever, you know, or the people that they're listening to is on YouTube. You don't even have a clue who these people yeah, are. true. And yeah. you're just following every teaching that they're throwing out there, you just got to be careful with that because every preacher in the world's got some kind of miracle that God did in their life, and they're going to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. If that's all that you go by, say like, yep, he's a true man of God, you will be deceived. If if, if If your faith in God or your faith in somebody is just by their them telling you about a miracle or some great thing that happened, you will be deceived. Look at the children of Israel. Their faith went as far as the miracles did, and then, you know, that was it. Yeah. Boom. You know, I just saw on Facebook a preacher. This guy was talking about, you know, God gave him this dream, and it was basically about this coronavirus, how God was going to judge the United States uh, because of our idolatry, uh, money's idolatry. And sports is idolatry. Well, I agree with those. You know, then he then he went on to say that, you know, sports aren't evil. I'm like, well, idolatry, that's pretty, you know. But sports aren't evil. Like, God made sports. He wants us to enjoy sports. You know, sports are great. No, definitely sports aren't idol. The difference between sports and money, of course, is that we have to have money. But if money is our God, then absolutely, that is definitely an idol. But the difference is, we don't need sports. Playing sports, that's fine. But you know, I wouldn't say that God created, you know, NFL and that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so no, you know, <laughs> you know, he he started with telling that this dream from God and 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 whatever. That's you know, the dream's fine. But and then he's talking about how God miraculously gave them a huge church building and and uh, how God miraculously gave him a house down on you know on the beach of Florida and, and uh, wow. like okay, there's several scriptures that come to mind. Paul talking here in Second Corinthians about you know they they, they appear good they an angel light you know his ministers yeah. they come and they look good too and uh, but you really First John four one it does say beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God yes. as many false prophets are gone out into the world and then kind of what Joe's talking about Matthew chapter seven verse fifteen yeah. and sixteen 
um, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Yeah. You can't do it the other way around. You know, like it says, but inwardly, inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? No, we don't. Mm. You know, every, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You'll know them by their fruits. Yeah. Ultimately, right. yeah. really, ultimately, you can't you can't be consistent living for you know Satan trying to right. act good. You can't, and that's going to be shown before too long. Yeah, you know. Also, like what we just talked about, the simplicity of Christ. I'm talking about somebody beguiling you. These people can coming as an angel of light can try and warp the gospel as Satan did in the Garden of Eden. And the way to combat that really is that you need to know your word. Yeah, you need absolutely. to know what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't know what it says, it, you'll be a, easily swayed to and fro. That's absolutely correct. Which that that's a good point, Jacob. Which leads us into our next topic. We talked about examining other people to make sure they're of God. <laughs> Let's talk about ourselves. Yeah, so, absolutely. Second Corinthians, so Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen, verse five to yeah, seven. So those verses it says, "Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own mm-hmm. selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates." But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. So Paul is saying here that you need to examine yourself. I'm going to go down the list here. Examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. Are you living according to what God's truth is? Are you living according to what God says is true? And if not... You, you need to fix it. Do you not know your own selves? Do you not? Are you not able to look into yourself and see what it is? How you know whether or not Christ is in you or not? Except you be reprobates, or except you be a castaway, or or worthless mind is another way to to use that. But then Paul continues in verse seven. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that ye should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we. He's talking about himself and his his helpers be as reprobates. He's saying that even if even if we are incorrect, even if we live as a as a worthless mind, even if we even if we seem disqualified from the faith, live honestly yourself. Don't base your salvation upon your pastor. Your pastor is a man, just like anybody else. And yes, you know, you are to abide by his authority because God placed him there. If your pastor fails, God forbid, but if your pastor fails, you have a choice. Do I follow after my pastor? You know, and say he doesn't get back up. Say he falls and doesn't get back up. Do I follow after my pastor or do I keep following the truth? That's your choices. Yeah, the world has enough fakes out there. Yeah. Absolutely. That's probably harder to do maybe than... Then our last topic is to examine ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yes. Like we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're in this together, but, you know, it, uh, we're not going to get judged as a group. Like, yeah. no, you know, sure. like God judges the Pentecostals, you know, as a group, you know, like, oh, yep, the Pentecostals are saved, you know, individually. And that's why it's so important to be examined yourself myself yeah all right with that we are going to go to a short break we'll be right back after the break all right welcome back listener and now we're going to go to the book of joshua 
Jacob, can you give us a brief overview of Joshua? Yeah, so Joshua basically is the beginning of the Israelites entering into the promised land. Moses had just died. Joshua is now taken over. We read in scripture, fear Joshua just as much as they feared Moses They were in respect-wise. Here we see that Joshua is leading them from the city of Shittim into the city of Gilgal. And there's actually a very important correlation between those two cities and their meanings, if you want to look that up yourself. I believe with that, Joe, to throw it back to you, we're going to talk about the crossing of the river itself. Of course, if you read Joshua uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, or more chapter 3, the children of Israel coming over the Jordan River and how the priests uh, took, the, took the ark through the river and how the river stopped and and uh, they were able to walk through on dry land and then where i'm going to pick it up is in chapter four of course after this happened after they got to the other side the bible says all the israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were classed uh, passed clean over jordan and then uh, after that in joshua chapter four god commands joshua to uh, take one man out of each tribe of the children of Israel and to go out in the midst of Jordan and in the place where the priests' uh, feet stood firm uh, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant in to the Jordan River and take 12 stones and um, he said, bring the 12 stones out, leave them in the lodging place where he shall lodge this night. Then verse 6, that, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Uh, then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And so God wanted them to make a memorial of uh, this great miracle that he had done. Maybe it was due to the fact that, um, you know, the children of Israel on the other side of the Jordan River seemed to forget really quick all the things that God had done for them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, they were very quick to start complaining, very quick to forget the, that God had brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. But God said, make a memorial. Yeah. So when your children ask, you know, this is just something that um, is going to bring up an opportunity for you tell your children about how I miraculously brought you through the Jordan River. And I think that's important to us as well, is to make memorials of things that God has done yes. Yeah. Yes. in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we all have things that I'm sure that, that God has done uh, miraculously. But, you know, after a while, we can kind of forget those things, even though you would think, how could you forget yeah. a miracle? Right. And also, too, when if God did it once, he'll certainly do it again. And that's why I think, you know, it's so, so good for us to have uh, memorials in our life as well. You know, and just every once in a while, just go back to it, talk about it, um, you know, tell people about it, tell our children about yeah. it. I'd say it's especially important for our children because if they come in, you know, if you don't teach your child in, in anything about like, what you've been through, then when they get come to that point, they have no point of reference. You know, if they come to that same situation or a situation similar, they'll have no point of reference to look back on. This is how God did it in their life. If they don't have that to look back on, they're going to feel like they're the only ones that are going through it. They're going to feel like 
you know, there's no help for them. There's, they don't know what to do, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, a memorial is extremely important for the, for the, the next generation. Seth, what do you got to say about Joshua chapter five? Um, some really, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll, I'll read it and it's, it's kind of gross, but, um, there's a, there's a good point to it. Joshua chapter five and it starts obviously verse one, but we're going to start in verse two. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, this is like right after they crossed Mm -hmm. the Jordan river. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's right after. And so they're in the promised land. They're surrounded, cut off, you know, by water behind them. They're surrounded by enemies. And it's not really, it doesn't seem like the greatest time in the world, but uh, God, God commands some things. Uh, at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Not that they were already once circumcised, because it explains that, but the second time. There's a whole group now of young men that were that were uh, born in the wilderness that had never been circumcised. You know, to to be in correct covenant with God, if you were a Jewish male, a Hebrew male, you had to be circumcised. And so that the Bible does explain that verse three, verse four, verse five, verse six, verse seven. It says, "And their children, whom he raised up in their stead." them Joshua circumcised for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way and it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole and the Lord said unto Joshua this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day and the children of Israel encamped at Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Also, if you keep reading, there's new food for a new place. I think the manna kind of dries up, you know, all this type thing. Joshua was visited, visited by an angel. But the point is, is basically like now you're in a new land. Let's, you know, let's make sure we're dedicated. We're consecrated to God. You know, you're, you're in covenant with God. And if you look uh, in verse nine, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, they obeyed God. They entered covenant again. God was again with them. And it's it's like, you know, this is this is so applicable to today. Like if you're really going to be, you know, in the promised land, getting everything that you can get from God and God is going to be with you, you do have to enter covenant with God. I know Colossians 2, 11 and 12 talks about for the, the, the Christian, the follower of Christ, it's baptism. That's that circumcision. Of right. the heart, repentance, baptism, circumcision of the heart type mm-hmm. thing. And uh and so it's it's just it's just kind of a neat point. Like here we are, we're in and now let's obey God so he can be with us. The idea here too is that they've just entered the promised land and now the reproach of Egypt is rolled from off of them. So what do you think about that? That once we enter into heaven, that's when finally the, the full reproach the full shame of the world is finally removed from us salvation Absolutely, that's yeah. that's the moment of salvation right right when you cross yeah, that right instead of it you know right. salvation is a process of sanctification a changing of us until that final moment when we cross that river you know we cross the river jordan right. into heaven 
cross death's right. threshold and that's when the right. reproach of the world is fully removed from us yeah no i mean the bible talks about three different saves there's past tense you know ye which were saved and then ye which are saved and then shall be saved mm -hmm. but absolutely you know once we're in heaven that's that is ultimately yeah. saved yeah. you know we're saved once we're once we're there like we got saved we're being saved and we will be saved obviously there is like you said jacob a process yeah and uh if you're moving along in joshua if you look at um joshua chapter nine of course if you read between chapter five and cha chapter nine the children of israel were basically going throughout the land and destroying everybody <laughs> All you know, kings, and there, but there were some people there. The Gibeonites or the Gibeons were concerned about their safety and well-being, and they decided to come up with uh, a plan to come to the children of Israel and make them out to be people from a far land. They came to them and they they wanted to make a league with with the children of Israel, and then we, that we get to. Joshua chapter 9, verse 14, it says, The men took of their victuals and asked not counsel of the mouth of the Lord. Seth, you said you preached a message one time on that. What are your thoughts about not taking counsel of the Lord? <laughs> yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, you know, Amen. I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've preached, I did preach this message. I think I preached it a couple times, but it's, um, basically, yeah, like, so there was the, the, the Gibeonites, the Gibeons, and, uh, they were a mighty city. If you read on a little further, the Bible does say like these other Kings of Israel were like afraid when they heard that Gibeon, like made a league with Israel because Gibeon was a big, a strong city. Right. And, uh, but they, they come up, they're going to try to trick Israel. Right. You know, they say, oh, we're from really, really far away. Like when we left the bread that we now have with us, it was hot off the frying pan and now it's all moldy and. And our, our the wine bags that we had, they were they were brand new, and it's like now they're all like ripping, and you know it's and our shoes and clothes are like they were brand new. I mean the day they were hot off the, you know the the tailor the day we left, and now they're all you know. I mean, it's how far we're away from you know, and and uh, <laughs> and then it's like here let's let's sit down and eat our vittles together. Let's have some food together, you know, and and uh, it's like. You know, make a league that will you you guys will never kill us, and and they're like, oh sure, that sounds great. You guys are from a long way off, yeah, you know. And then verse fourteen, the men took their vittles and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord, like yeah, wah wah wah. And the reason why this is so bad is because it is it uh, is it Exodus thirty three fifty five Jacob or numbers 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 thirty three fifty five um, where uh, the Lord said, you know, if you don't destroy all the inhabitants of the land, they're going to be like thorns in your side. They're going to be like a problem to you for the rest of, you know, the rest of the time you have this land. And uh, we know that they were, and ultimately they, they helped with the demise of Israel with all these false gods and stuff. But they made a league with them, and they didn't ask counsel with the mouth of the Lord. That is like the worst thing you yeah. can do. Yeah. It's just not, in everything, is, is just not uh, yeah. talk to the Lord. Well, God, I, what do you I, what do you I think find about it interesting this, you know? Joshua comes up and questions them in verse eight you know they said unto Joshua we are thy servants Joshua said unto them who are ye and from whence come ye 
he was suspicious. And instead of taking that that initiative to say, okay, hold on, this is where we're talking about, like, try the spirits, right? Like we were talking in the first half. When that, when that yeah. hair, the cackles on the back of your neck begin to stand up and you're sitting there saying, okay, something ain't right here. Just because they show you some fancy, you know, old bread and, you know, and broken bo- or broken flagons of wine and stuff like that, that doesn't mean that you circumvent the, the counsel of the Lord. You still go to God. You try the spirit. You say, okay, is this really of God? Is this really what it is supposed to be? Right. Yeah, you can't trust the, the feelings and uh, of your flesh. There, there's got to be yes. a prayer and everything. Right. And there's a scripture that I'm, I preached along with that. It's out of Isaiah, but it says, you know, woe to them that take counsel, but not of me. And it's, uh, it's like, yeah, you know, whoa, yeah. like, whoa, you know, you're, you're not taking counsel of the Lord. This may not end up well for you. And so anybody, there's such a practical way to look at this uh, verse you know, if you're, you know, Lord, should I take this job? Mm-hmm. Lord, you know, yes. please give me an answer. You know, you know, don't maybe, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a fleece, but you know, like, Lord, please give me an answer. Give me a, yeah. a sign, something, like I you know, Lord, know. is this your will? Yeah. And my wife, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. My wife and I, like I was going to say is, is we've several opportunities in our life, uh, several practical examples, you know, be like, Lord, we ask your will for this, you know, whatever. And it seems like, like when we were going to buy a home here in our community, um, there was a really, really good deal, you know, and it's like, we don't know. There was this kind of a foreclosure home. We could have bought it. I'm a carpenter. I can fix mm-hmm. it up, you know, that type thing. And, uh, you know, it was like, Lord, is this your will? It's a really good deal. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it seemed like we went to look at it. We were thinking about putting an offer and the next thing we knew mm-hmm. it sold. And that's happened to us several times with vehicles, with whatever. It's just like mm-hmm. that door shuts and then another one opens and it's it's like, okay, that's the will of God. You know what I mean? It's just like he just makes a gigantic hole. Here it is. That's maybe that's right. not no, the case yeah. for everybody. But you know, if we if you ask counsel, it seems like God will take care of you. He'll make a way or he'll shut a door yes. when you need that door to yeah. be shut. Yeah. And and the other thing too, you know, something something big like that, you know, you ask you ask God for His thoughts. Hey, it doesn't hurt to th- to ask some godly people in your life either. Hey, yeah. what are your thoughts on that too? You know, so yeah, there's safety in a multiple yeah. councils, multitude yeah. counselors. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure most pastors don't want you to come to them with right. with all yeah. of your life's decisions, and you're not able to make any decisions yourself. But you know, there there's things that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with asking counsel, no. and uh, yeah. there's safety in that. Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 uh, through 14. This is something interesting that happened here. Jacob, so, what happened? Now, the city of Gibeon that was just uh, that we just talked about, they begin to become attacked by these kings that, you know, they realized that Gibeon was a mighty city, and the fact that they had made a league with Israel, so they come and try to attack them, and Joshua comes to Gibeon's defense, and they're fighting with these all these kings. And Joshua realizes that if the night happens, if they have to sleep the night, then the other, the opposing team, the, the opposing army, will be rested and ready to fight. And so he calls out. And it's interesting that he doesn't even he doesn't even ask God to do this. He just calls out in verse twelve. Then spake Joshua. I guess he does call to the Lord. Excuse me. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and said in the sight 
of Israel. Sun, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, there's several things that's interesting about this. One is the fact that how powerful our God is, in that he did, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how he did this. There's, only, in my mind, only two explanations to how God did this, and this is coming from kind of like a, a pardon me, but kind of a, an observational scientist kind of perspective. Either he stopped the earth from rotating, which in itself would, you know, for God, I mean, it's nothing. But in our mind, if you were to stop the earth from rotating just like that, everything on our planet would go flying in the direction that it was. Because our planet's spinning at like, you know, 1300 miles per second or something like that. The, you know, everything would go flying. Or he caused the sun to all of a sudden shift a little in the sky or in space and follow the earth's rotation for the time that this was and whichever the way whichever caused this one thought and you know you can take this as you will but one thought is that this is where we get our leap year from that this is the reason that we have to have a fourth or an extra day every four years to keep our calendars right is because of what joshua did here and also what uh isaiah does with hezekiah causing the the sun to move back 10 hours or so absolutely yeah i think yeah, i think he made the whole universe to revolve with the earth that's my theory so you're you're uh tarocentric or whatever you think the the earth's the center Ecos, egocentric or whatever, not egocentric. Egocentric yeah, is yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everything no. falls around Geo, me. Geocentric. Geocentric. Yeah. Geocentric. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are dying in the background too yeah. right now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, their their whole world's being shaken. That's kind of how it. Is. Uh, yeah. No, I I I don't know. It's cool. It's God. He could. I think he could have paused everything. You know, just made everybody like. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can do what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. If he can create world, stop. He sure can. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's 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 powerful. You know, I like it how it says, you know, God fought, the Lord fought for Israel. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna move heaven and earth, or not move them, (laughs) and uh, you know, to to help his people. That's powerful. You know, and one thing that I kind of want to add there is, um, you know, some people would say that. Like scientists, again, would sit there and say that, oh, this can't happen because it doesn't follow the laws of physics. But the problem is, is that we as humans don't fully understand what the laws of physics all entail. But the one who created everything, would he not know all of the little intricacies that are in how everything is made, that he could do whatever he wanted with that? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's full of wisdom. Yeah. Yep. You know, he's wisdom from the beginning, as as Seth uh, points out in our notes here. I'm gonna throw that, throw you under the bus there, Seth. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. There, of course, would have been a lot more topics we could have covered, but for the sake of time, we're gonna leave that up to you. 
hopefully there'll be some more things that you'll pull out from those scriptures uh, that you'll be reading. If there is something that, that jumps out to you that you'd like to, to talk to us about, please let us know. You can uh, do so by sending us a voice message through anchor.fm. Of course, the name of our podcast is Scripture Unleashed. Or if you have a word of encouragement or advice for us, we're open to that as well. You can reach out to us again through a voice message on anchor.fm or in the comments on on anchor.fm or through our Scripture Unleashed Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We look forward to having you with us next week as we go through Joshua chapter 19 through 24, Judges chapter 1 through 13, and Psalms chapter 44 through 47. God God bless. God bless. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.